Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. All right, how many of you are with me when you say that one of your favorite smells in the world is a new car smell? Isn't there just something about that? Like, I go to a car lot, I shouldn't even get in a car if it smells like a new car because I'm just going to buy it, right? I love the smell of a new car smell. Um, Kind of ironic, I'm driving the van the other day that we bought in 2019, and um, guess what doesn't exist in the van anymore? (laughs) Families, you know how that goes? Like I've even resorted to now, I watched a YouTube video the other day of somebody cleaning out a van and just thought, oh man, that would be nice, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Like it was like the dirtiest van ever or something and they were cleaning it out and I was mesmerized and taken back to the days when it was a lot easier to keep a van clean. But I love a new car smell. I love new things. I think that that's just kind of the way we're wired as people. We just want new. In fact, I kind of wish that uh, Family Feud, I like that show, um, would have a category where they surveyed people and says, things that you would rather have new than used. Things that you would rather have new than used. I mean, I, I know that now in our current environment, especially, we're completely comfortable with buying things used, right? Uh, Facebook marketplace is a huge thing. Is it not? First it was Craigslist, now it's Facebook Marketplace. And we're totally good with buying used cars, used houses. You know, it's it's great. And it's fun to find a deal, to find something valuable to you that somebody else didn't. But I think that probably if we had the ability and finances weren't an issue, we probably would always pick new over used almost every time. I've been thinking about this, like what are the things that I will not use that have been used. Like, what do I have to have new? Uh, I was thinking like a mattress. I am not buying a used mattress. Just not, just doesn't strike me. Just don't wanna use mattress. Turn to your neighbor and tell them the first thing that comes to your mind that you have to have new, you will not use if it's been used. All right, there's always laughter when I do this. This, uh, this amuses us, right? So, what did you say? Toothbrush. So there's been two answers every service, the top two answers. One of them is toothbrush. Not interested in using somebody else's toothbrush, right? Can you guess what the other one is? How many of you said Underwear. Yeah, absolutely. That's on a whole nother level, right? But uh, yeah, we like new things. We're attracted to new. I, I, uh, I think if we have the choice, we pick new. And we like to switch things up, make things new. That's why we change our hair color. We really enjoy wearing new clothes. Um, and we get excited when we visit a new place. Like 
just to see something new to us. We don't like to be static. Um, words like the same old boring are not what we gravitate to. And we, uh, we get frustrated in those kind of worlds. I- I've been reading this week because I was thinking about this word new um, as it applies to the resurrection, as it's a, a, a central word in the story of the gospel, new. And so I always, I like to, I like to try to understand human behaviors. I like to read uh, studies they do. And they were, they, they, they do these studies. And I, I was reading one uh, large one that, uh, you know, why do people like new things? Or what do they do with new things? And they, they noticed in this one study that they brought a group of people in. And they established like eight concepts. Like that they could pick. And then they established the fact that four of those concepts worked. They were effective. They would make them money if they would follow those concepts. So they trained their brain to when they looked at those eight concepts, they naturally thought about the four that worked, right? Those are, that's a good choice, right? Then they introduced in new concepts that no one knew. It was new. It, they don't know if it works or it doesn't work. It's just new. That's it. And can you guess what we chose? We were even willing to choose an unknown new product over something we knew worked. That's just how much we like new things. We're intrigued by them. We're fascinated. I think part of it's the wiring of who we are made in the image of God. We like to experience new things. We like new things because we have a God who delights in making new things. Also probably it's a part of the fallen condition of our nature and the world that, you know, with consumerism and materialism, uh, a huge part of what we navigate. You combine that with our kind of desire to experience new things and, and we're in. We are in for new. New is something we probably always would choose if we had the choice between new and used. And so as I start the sermon this morning, I want you to think about the word new, but I want to start laying this foundation. I want to start by laying this foundation that is that the scriptures, and this is what Napnaz is completely committed to, is the telling of the story of the world. It's the true story of the world. There's so many narratives out there, so many things you're told to believe, but at Napnaz we honestly, wholeheartedly, 100% in committed to understand the world, what it's about, where it came from, what it, it matters, where it's going. It's in this book. Amen? This is the story, the true story of the world. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> like, this, the Bible isn't just like this book where you can kind of go to enhance your life. Like, well, that's a good devotional thought. That'll make me feel better. That, oh, that's, that's good. That's smart. Or, uh, ooh, that's good. That inspires me or motivates me. It's kind of like something you just kind of enhance your life with, right? We believe the scriptures are primary to understanding this world, who we are, and we realize that the scriptures are telling the story of God, the, the story of God and his interaction with us, his creation. And we see in that story, the story begins with God doing a new thing, a new world, a new earth. He speaks and it exists and it's new. 
and it's beautiful, it's perfect, it's, um, the, the ecosystems are just flawless and, and um, it, it just runs in such a perfect way. And in the middle of that creation, you know that he created us to rule over the new earth that he had created. And we were, we were perfect. Like Adam and Eve, man, they were, right? Um, and God chose in the way that he wanted to do this world that he chose to say, hey, this new thing I've created that I want to enjoy and be in relationship with, uh, the way that this relationship should be defined is I choose you and you choose me. So I, I'm going to give you a choice. And you know the story of our world, right? We chose ourselves instead of God, the creator. Am I telling anybody anything new today? You know, Adam and Eve. And uh, what happened was the new wore off really fast. It became old, tired, broken, fallen, sinful. Right? And this world is broken down. The new is quickly tarnished and went away. God in his love uh, is still seeking to be in relationship even with now old, broken, tired, sinful, fallen people. And so what does God do? The story of Scripture is God establishes a new people, right? A new people. They're going to show the world who he is. He gives them a new land, right? This is the land where I'm going to be honored, my people are going to live, and the rest of the world are going to see the light that I am and be attracted to me as creator, as God. And he gives them a new law, right? You're so broken and fallen, the, the new is worn off so bad, it's so tired, broken down, tarnished, you don't even know what's right, wrong, up, down, good, bad, you're just lost. And so I'm going to give you a new law to help you understand uh, who I am, my nature, my character, how this world was meant to flow, and what works, what doesn't, what makes, uh, you know, healthy relationship, the law of God, right? The new law. We see that new people, new land, new law. But you know the story, right? Like even with the new things, uh, we keep choosing the old things. We keep losing sight of the new things. We can't hold on to the new thing that God wants to do. The new thing that really is taking us back to what he had always designed in the first place, right? Right? And you see the story of God's people through the Old Testament always ending up back stuck in the old things and the broken things and the fallen things. They can't hang on to the new. But God knew this. Part of his story was he began to tell them, look, I've showed you the new law. I've made you a new people. I've brought you out. But at the heart of the problem is you need a new heart is what really needs to fix this whole thing. And so he begins to say through his prophets, Ezekiel, and like, hey, God has made a new people, given a new land, had a new law, but he really is culminating with a new covenant. And this covenant is going to give you and I a new heart. That's the problem. That's the issue. 
You can fix all the circumstances. You can give all the direction. You can lay it out for people. But unless who they are is made new, then they're always going to choose old, fallen, broken. Amen? And that's what today is all about. Is that God loved us enough to fix the problem that we had. That the new is gone. God wants the new in us. And so he sends himself through his son to fix the problem. To give us the ability to experience a new heart. Not just new laws, new peoples, but new hearts. And so Christ enters this world, incarnates himself into this world. He lives a life that shows us, shows us, wow, this is what life is supposed to be like. Then he dies a death that provides the avenue for us to be reconciled to God. This is love. This is what love looks like. This is what we've been talking about uh, these last three weeks. What does love look like? This whole season, this passion of Jesus, this Easter death, resurrection. Well, that's that's what love looks like. That's love personified. What does it do? Well, love forgives sins. Love conquers death. This is what Jesus is doing. And so, he lives a life, he dies a death. And today, what we celebrate at the heart of the story, the crux, the hinge point is that he raises, he is risen, he is, you know, our word from the dead. But why? Because his story is this. Like Romans. You know, when we identify with him, through baptism into death, we're buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live, what is that word? A new life. New heart. And my only objective today, this is it, Easter Sunday, you, I, you're not, you didn't come in here and, and, and you already knew what was gonna happen, Right? You knew we were going to sing about a risen Lord. You know we were going to talk about a risen Lord. You knew we were going to say the resurrection 500 times. You didn't come in here and you're not surprised, right? But my objective today is to remind you the implication of this risen Lord for you personally. And that is that the story of God is a story that is wanting to include every one of us who have, because of the sinful Actions of Adam and Eve have been born into this world and it is just a matter of time before we forsake new and we turn to old and we end up fallen and broken and lost. And yet the story of scripture is God wants to do something about in your life and it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that provides the opportunity for you and I to live into the life God has always promised and designed for us. But here's the rub. Here's the rub. It's in this sentence. We want new. We love new. We're attracted to new. We want to change from our old. But the biggest mistake in seeking to change is believing that it is simply a matter of your will. 
We are inundated with the world. You live in a world where you go into a, a bookstore, you open up social media. We don't even go to bookstores anymore, do we? Like you open up social media, you, you read on your tablet. The messaging of the world is if you want a better life, if you want a new you, if you want to change, then you just need to try harder, do better, Figure out better decisions. Educate yourself a little bit more. This whole list. But at the end of the day, it lands on one thing, you. You are responsible for making the new you. Isn't that the message of our world? Like that's what we celebrate. Don't get me wrong. I love athletics and I think there's a lot of value to life. It can teach lessons. But at the end of the day, athletics has really started to like you make your way. You do your thing. You, you know, you get what you put in kind of thing. And those are true about navigating certain parts of life. But I want to tell you in understanding your purpose and how to really become what God has designed for you to do your will is always going to fall short from what God has designed for you. If you believe that, can you say amen? amen. Awesome. That's all I want. I, I want you to get that. Because that's what the, the heart of the resurrection's about is you can't do anything about the old you. It's hopeless. Your will, you're not gonna be able to try harder, do better, make better decisions, Pull it up by your bootstraps more. It's just a, a fruitless game that always ends in the old you. But it's the death and resurrection that provides the opportunity for us to live a new life. Religious behavior, trying hard. I mean, religious behavior is such a part of this mix we live in. So often religions have created this concept with God that, yeah, we need a little help from God, but ultimately we need to also do our part. And that's what religion is. And so every day you live in this. And I want this Sunday to remind you that the heart of the hope of God for you is his resurrected son's life in your heart and life. Religious behavior, trying hard, it might make you nice, but only Christ can make you new. Honesty, moral virtue, justice, education, all worthwhile endeavors that I want to experience, that I live for, that are symptoms of a life that God has designed for us, but without seeking the source, we always will fall short in those symptoms, personally and as a society. The only hope is to experience what this day is all about. And that is this. The same spirit that raises Jesus from the dead is what is God is wanting to put in your heart and in my heart. And so it's just in this verse that we want to look at today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. I like this translation. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old order has passed away. See, a new order has begun. 
Think about the words of this one simple verse tucked away in the heart uh, or in, the, in the, the story of Paul writing to the Corinthians in his second letter. Therefore, in light of what I've been sharing about Christ and, and the difference he makes and who he is, if anyone is in Christ, if, see the story of realizing what God has for you is in this conjunct, this um, this uh, conditional conjunctive if. Amen? Like because Christ has risen, that's a historical fact. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden everybody in the world is realizing the implications of that. That the story of the gospel is the invitation of God for you to accept what he has done. It is an if proposition. If you choose to trust me, then the new life can begin. If anyone, uh, in my notes I just have one simple line. Anyone equals, can you guess what the next word is? Anyone equals anyone. Right? Like, this isn't how much do you know? How good have you been? Where did you come from? Did you grow up around the faith or did you not? Um, do you, no, if anyone, everyone, if anyone is in Christ. There's the little key phrase used over and over and over in scripture. What in the world is in Christ? It's union with Christ. It's connection with Christ. If anyone is connected to Christ in relationship with Christ. I didn't say, hey, you believe the right things about Christ. You know, like, hey, you got this squared away. You know who he is. You affirm who he is. You've done the catechism thing. And you blah, 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 blah. Good. I got it all lined up. No, if anyone is in union with Christ, in relationship with Christ... It's words that the scriptures talk about when that union with Christ is symbolized by my faith in the work of Jesus for my salvation. Union with Christ in Christ is I have experienced the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ and now I am restored to relationship with God through Christ. It is words like understanding what it is to have been reconciled, redeemed, brought near, given access, born again, adopted, children of God, sealed by a Holy Spirit. These are all words that are, hey, this is your relationship with Christ. If, if, will you choose? Anyone, all of you, are in Christ Basically, I have received Christ into my life through faith and a turning from myself to him in repentance. If that is the case, then the new creation has come. Now, what's, what's cool about this word is, and this is, again, at the heart of the resurrection, is new here is not new as like time, like well, I have a newer car than you. Like, yours is a 20, mine's a 21. I have a newer car. Like, we say that, with, we use the word new, right? New in relation to time. That's not what's being used here. It's new, it's the word used for new, like there was nothing 
before, and now there's a new thing. Got it? Created thing. New. Like, that's why the words we sang this morning, or we will sing, the, the idea of Scripture is God takes ashes and makes beautiful things. Like, he's telling them that in the Old Testament because he's trying to help them understand that the, the most ash thing in the world is you and I's heart without God. It is completely dead, burned out, old, tired, fallen, broken. And out of that, God comes in through his spirit and makes us a new creation. It's not, hear what I'm saying? It's not, okay, we're gonna change, we're gonna change the patterns of your life. Christ's gonna come in and he's gonna help you achieve your goals. Christ in you now is going to help you like get better at all these things. That's not what's being said here. What's being said here is you need something brand new outside of yourself to come into your life. And when that happens, a new creation is formed. Let me ask you, did you choose to be created? Or did you, yeah, were you involved in being created? Did you make it happen? No, right? Everybody's with me, right? You had no choice in the matter as far as like, <laughs> some of you are like, I wish I did. <laughs> or couldn't I got a new family? In the same sense, the essence of that is like you, you couldn't will yourself to be born. You can't will yourself for this new life and being a new creation. It's God coming in and making it happen in your heart. If what I'm saying to you is foreign, then that's why you're here this morning. Because the promise is that the resurrection is about coming into dead people who are hopeless, helpless, and coming in and making them alive through the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, the old has gone, the new is here. The old looks like this. Can you identify with this this morning? Being captive to blinding or binding lusts and desires. This is the old life that we all have grown familiar with, that we all experience. If I were to share my story uh, about my life, there was no doubt if I had to be completely transparent and honest with you today, this is absolutely part of my old life. Binding lusts and desires. That the things that inherently and naturally that we desire and want and seek after, that I would do those things and some of those things I knew were not healthy for me and they weren't healthy for other people. It was destructive and I knew that so I felt guilt. I knew I had sinned because I grew up in a Christian home, right? And I wanted to do different than that because I felt bad about that. But I found myself unable to change my behavior. I just kept coming back to being captive to those lusts and desires, right? Anybody with me today? Heck yeah, every one of you. Like this is the old. This is what happens in the old. There's the ending up in the same failure patterns. Like, I can't get free. I have good intentions. I make new plans. 
I talk to somebody. I get advice. But the story of my life always ended up back in the same failure patterns. Empty accomplishments. This is what the old looks like. Like, okay, I'm really going to experience what life's about. And I'm going to be that person if I can just get this job. Or if I can just get this degree. Or if I can just get to this income level. Or if I can just reach this status in my community or in my workplace. Right? All these accomplishments that we run after. That's the old life so often. And we think that that will make me the new person I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's who I am. Until we find we get there and we look around and we're like, really? That was it? Then you got to have another goal, right? You ever do studies on people like this? They will tell you like, it never's enough. I've watched Tom Brady talk about Tom Brady, right? Super Bowl ring. Not many of us like that, but some of you do. Tom Brady, Super Bowl rings, MVPs, wealth, supermodel wife, who, who still looks in the mirror and wonders, is this really what life's all about? Because it's not. It's empty accomplishment. The old life is built around this. It's built around unrelenting comparison traps. Right? Like my identity in the world, my value becomes, can I do this good? Does the world accept me because I'm good at this? Or I'm better than the next person? And so I find my value and my identity because, well, I'm better than most. And I'm better than him. And that makes me feel good. And I'm good. You know, like, it's just this comparison. The old life. The old is gone when the resurrected Lord comes in. There's the lack of purpose and direction. Where so often we just look around and say, what, on the, what in the world am I on this earth for? Do you look in the mirror and ask yourself that? Do you think about that? What is the purpose of my life? What am I supposed to do? In the old life, there's just a lack completely of it. Like, for me, it's like, oh, I get to certain stages. I'm a parent now, so I'm supposed to parent. But what happens after I parent? Like, what, you know, like, there's always a sense of what is direction and purpose. And the old has simply a lack of that the old is gone that's gone is what the scriptures say and what I want to invite you to consider today is that your only hope and my only hope and why Easter is so valuable why it is the center of everything is because what Christ does when he is resurrected provides the platform for you and I to leave the old, tired, broken, fallen, sinful life that we have no hope of changing on our own. And simply through the power of God's spirit in our life because of his love and grace for us, simply open your heart today and say, I can't do this, I have to have you in my life to make me the new creation that I was always intended to be. Easter is not a bunch of, it's not a historical society. 
We're not a bunch of historians today just celebrating a, you know, like, woo, that happened, woo-hoo. 2,000 years strong now. We're hanging on to that. No, Easter is all about what God can do, wants to do, and has desired to do in your heart. To make you new. And so I invite you to stand this morning as we sing the last song as we leave. And I just want to pray over you. And as I pray, I, I know I'm talking to people today that maybe you've misunderstood this whole Christian thing. Maybe you've been confused about how this works or what happens or what's supposed to happen. And maybe you think, well, I believe the right things. That's, that's good. Or, man, I try to do more good than bad. That's, that's probably good. Or, man, uh, you know, if I just do these things and God has a checklist for me. And, and that's how, you know, I know I talk to people like that all the time who misunderstand Really, the story of this world, the story of God in this world, is to make his creation, each and every one, new. And that only can happen through him coming into your heart. And I invite you today, if you find yourself at that place, the scripture says, if anyone, you can make a choice. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ, the whole idea of that is in Christ, it's, it's the acknowledgement that I can't fix this. I'm lost, I'm a sinner, but God loves and God gives and God saves. And so I'm just gonna open up my heart to the Savior. And if I do that, his spirit comes in and this whole thing of new begins. I don't need to go be good for a while. I don't need to come back to church for four. You do need to come back to church. But for other reasons. You know what I mean. Like right now the new can begin by faith in your heart. Now the outworking of that is a lifelong process, right? But it can start now. That's what this day is about. That's what God's story is culminating in. To make his creation new again. Would you open your heart to him as we sing? Would you allow him to begin to make you new? Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.